Well, hello and welcome to the No Filter Needed podcast, where we cut the fluff, expel those myths and kick unobtainable standards to the curb. I am your host, Camilla Collins, self-image consultant, author and founder of multiple beauty and creative entertainment agencies. I am super passionate about empowering people to change their self-perception and reimagine not just the beauty, but the huge amount of power within themselves. And this podcast is in support of my mission to do just that. Welcome back to the show. So today I have the wonderful Henry Johnston on a call with me, who is a rapid change therapist. Thanks so much for joining me today. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. So before I go any further, what exactly is a rapid change therapist? Okay, so people ask me this quite a bit. So a rapid change therapist or rapid change therapy is a super quick way of going past the, the conscious mind right into the subconscious where we find all the blocks to behaviors, unwanted habits, past traumas, childhood issues. And what rapid change does is it goes past the conscious mind right into the subconscious, builds a bridge between the subconscious and the conscious, and people find that they can move past traumas and difficulties that they've experienced all their lives in a very short amount of time. I always say to people, like they don't always want to have to go through three years of therapy to be able to move past a behavior. And what I do is I offer six to 12 sessions and they get exactly the same result in a fraction of the time. Just sounds amazing, almost too good to be true in a way. How did you get into all of this? What What's well, kind of the background? Um, I trained as a, as a life coach, you know, for, for, for some time. I did, I did a foundation in psychotherapy. I've got a counseling course, you know, un, under my belt. I really wanted to find a way where I could help people. To be honest, I am I'm trained as a coach and I'm one of the only coaches that you might meet who hates every single other life coach on the planet, bar, <laughs> bar a few. And that's that's a rant for another time. But coaching just wasn't it wasn't very me. It wasn't mm-hmm. so intuitive. It wasn't very creative. And yes, like I run metalwork retreats and everything like that, which handles the creativity part, but when speaking to people, I just wanted to deliver something that was me, meaningful, impactful, and didn't take as long as coaching took. And I met a guy, he's called Tom Fortes Mayer. He runs the Free Mind Project. Amazing, absolutely amazing stuff. Rapid Change Therapy. I went and did a course with him. And honest to God, I've, I've had therapy for about 16 years. I no longer see my therapist, but you know, I, I, I float in and out when I need to. Um, and I got breakthroughs in eight days of training that I hadn't got in 16 years. And I enabled other people to have breakthroughs as well on an incredibly deep level. And I knew from that moment, it's like, this works. I love doing this because it, it combines visualization and music and being very much in heart. And, you know, you say it's too good to be true. So check this out. People turn up for an hour and a half. They don't do anything. They just lie on their bed with earphones and listen to my voice. And you have a very nice voice, so <laughs> it can't, yeah. no, can't all be bad. Um, <laughs> well, amazing. So it's like, uh, in a way, I guess, sort of hypno hypnotherapy. Is there a hypnotherapy aspect to it? There um, is. Um, and I always make the distinction, like, people's first reaction sometimes with hypnotherapy is Darren Brown or Paul McKenna or any kind of number of stage hypnotherapists, but it's it's not like that. It is 
the hypnosis that I do is deep relaxation. And some people, they, they go to sleep. Some people are very aware of what's going on. But the crucial part of it is that all the noise from the conscious mind just goes down and you allow your conscious mind to go to sleep and to drift and your subconscious wakes up and hears everything that I say. And I structure everything I say around, say, if you did a session with me, Camilla, it would be structured around your language. So you'd be speaking to the very deepest part of yourself in your own language. And then day by day, you would notice that those suggestions, they just start to, to manifest. And that's just one part of it. You know, I take people to, to their inner child, to heal their inner child, to parts of their mind, which have been guarding them for years, not letting them move past. And it's, it's fascinating. And I absolutely love it because pe the people who get it, they get it in spades. Yeah, I mean, I, the inner child stuff as well is, I just think, massively important. I think that's where a lot, we, I think we've spoken about this before, but where a lot yeah. of um, the, you know, trauma is held that's carried carried forward. And I think that's that's where people need to go, but they can't, they can't get there. Uh, they can't get there consciously. Hypnosis for that is, is amazing because no matter mm. how hard you sit there and kind of meditate and try to silence your mind and tune in you know it's just really hard to sort of to sort of go there um and I, i've had my experience as well with uh therapy um or hypnotherapy rather i was seeing a hypnotherapist for a while uh carol carol murray and i love her to bits and i really miss her actually and i actually went back just to check in with her for a bit but yeah she i just she used to i guess almost like plant um it, it felt like maybe she was planting sort of stuff in my mind i.e when i things that i would come across days afterwards yeah. i.e. the kind of red or something like that and i would get these you know positive thoughts and feelings and kind of associations mm. so it's just amazing what can be done into the subconscious mm. by someone who knows what they're doing and something great that i've seen with uh this, this this wonderful woman who really struggled with overeating in lockdown and she and she really wanted to fix it so during the process i simply asked her you know when you get that urge to reach for the cupboard and you want those biscuits, what do you want to happen instead of that? How do you want to feel? And she said, well, I just, I don't want to feel as anxious. I want to feel like I already have what I'm seeking to fill. You know, it's kind of anxious filling the void. Mm -hmm. And that's simply what I did, you know? And it was a case of planting that suggestion that every time she reached for the cupboard, she realized that she actually already had everything that she ever wanted and she felt good and relaxed and happy. And she said afterwards that she's just noticed that every time she reaches for the cupboard, you know, like she still does it, but she goes, oh, actually, no, I like these feelings of happiness and, and joy and relaxation. And I feel kind of complete and I'm going to go about my day. It's just it's phenomenal how well it works and she said that she was really struggling to write me a testimonial and I said oh really why she said well it was so relaxing that I felt like I was baby Simba being taken up a cliff face in the beginning of Lion King <laughs> and I was like that's great like write me that testimonial that's amazing <laughs> I love that what that's got to be the best testimonial ever that's yeah and she's like it's not very professional I'm like fuck all that it's great <laughs> give me that one who cares about professional we want real we want real and raw and honest not you know yeah. again hiding behind um the do's the shoulds and shouldn'ts and, and things like that there's um, there's far too much of that around there's far too much of this overarching narrative or pressure that we need to be a certain way to fit into what we have been told is professional like there is a learned behavior 
which will definitely come from childhood somewhere along in our childhood times, that behavior would have been modeled, that understanding would have been modeled for us so that when we're adults, we naturally go and go, right, so professional was mum and dad doing this. And if I do anything that sits outside of that, whoa, it's not professional, I'm not going to be taken seriously. But therein lies the power of the inner child. Like, Take ownership of your child, take ownership of this magic, this naivety, this curiosity, and create yourself as you want to be, as you are, not how you have been told you should be. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I even sort of mentioned this in, in my book as well. But yeah, we were you know, really conditioned uh, as children to, you know, even through like education and, and sort of who we, you know, our parents and, and our teachers, and, and that's who we looked up to and who sort of paved the way for us. Um, but also a lot of that stuff's outdated as well. And I think that's another place yeah. confusion comes from. And yeah, absolutely. Fitting into boxes in, in, in life's entirety, not just professional, but I guess everything and that people we do. Get kind of, a bit worried like they think that if they if they they create their own world if they step outside of those boxes and they go and they just strive forward and they include all these personality traits of being curious wide-eyed open happy joyful that in some way is going to be really inappropriate you know but it, it's not like that because when you become congruent you present yourself in a very solid way which becomes entirely appropriate for the person that you are it's just it's it's really backwards really because you think by putting sort of these rules in place you um with yourself and fitting into a box or you know staying within the lines that you're actually providing security for yourself but you're actually not you're making it very uncomfortable and very you're making yourself very restless and actually being really free and relaxed and in tune with yourself and doing things that that you know for the, for the joy of it just make you happy is actually it seems like a scary place but actually it's the most comfortable and secure place I think that you can ever yeah. feel that you're in yeah and people talk a lot about you know alignment and when you're aligned things happen and being in flow and it's true but to really get into alignment to really be in flow then there has to be work that needs to be done or there is work that needs to be done you know we must go deeper find out where we are being blocked, challenge those behaviors, and then make a commitment to act more in alignment with who we are. And people get this this wrong sometimes. They think by adopting, like, because it's quite a spiritual process. They think by, mm -hmm. by, and spirituality is actually quite a challenge. And it takes a real commitment to commit to yourself on that deeper level because we will encounter, you know, difficult feelings, difficult notions. As we challenge the modeled behavior, it puts us in a uniquely vulnerable state where we're right back with our inner child. We're super vulnerable and we are the little child saying to the, to the adult, you're wrong. The way that you modeled this behavior was wrong. I'm stepping out on my own. And, the, and it takes a, a certain amount of reparenting as we become the adult for our inner child and then we step out into the world but what i'm what i'm really getting at is that when we seek true alignment there is work that needs to be done i agree 100% agree and i mean do you find much resistance cuz like a lot of the stuff like the words alignment and um yeah sort of all of all of this kind of talk i think people 
are feel adverse to or they don't sort of like to to go there they think oh that's a bit you know I guess like woo woo or um sort of hippy dippy in a way like do you do you ever come up against that that resistance because I also feel that a lot of it particularly on social media is kind of thrown out as almost buzzwords really Mm -hmm. and this will go along the lines of probably why you can't bear a lot of coaches uh, because that's that, that's the language that they're using and, and not really using it kind of right or using it because it's trendy and to kind of coax people people in and form this sort of little tribe cult type thing but how do you feel people um, respond to the way you talk when you're talking about the inner child and because it, it's not it's not easy stuff I think for people to comprehend really mm-hmm. and can be quite scary so w- w- how's your experience been when you talk to people about it and, and your processes and, and what essentially needs to be done, they need to go there. Well, when I speak to someone, I'm very good at being able to sense where their blockage is. So I don't hit them with, hey, you need to be aligned. You need to be this and this and this. I, I, I listen to them. When they speak to me about their blocks, I then reflect to them what I think the issue might be. So, you know, I'm speaking to them when I'm on social media or I'm, you know, creating a post it makes me cringe a little bit you know like I used alignment there because that's the best description of what I was talking about but on social media you see so many of these buzzwords and one of the the ones I have the biggest problem with is vulnerability now vulnerability is such a key quality of transformation however it's become such a trendy word and it's been it's been pasted on every single meme every single quote board everything everywhere and what this does is that it completely devalues it. And no one actually asks, no one has the, the critical thought of what is vulnerability and what is vulnerability for me. It's kind of passed over as a thing. A lot of a lot of coaching posts, they they work on this kind of marketing tool or edge that you're talking to someone and assuming that they don't know anything about like coaches prey on vulnerabilities. And they assume, they're not, not all coaches, but the general coaching marketing techniques is they tell the audience something that they don't know and then tell them that they need to know what they don't know because they're going to pay money so that they can help them know what they don't know, right? And I don't do that. I don't assume that anyone doesn't know what vulnerability is. I just simply promote questions and talk. And on the on the occasion, I love doing like championing posts you know when I I speak quite a lot to the sensitive man you know and talk about the wonderful qualities that a sensitive man has but I never say don't be sensitive the sensitive man is going to fail you don't want to fail because I know what to do to make you not fail I'm a coach come pay me a million pounds you know it's like no I recognize (laughs) you I see you for being a sensitive man and I want you to know that I am a sensitive man as well and you never need to feel shamed or judged because you are nothing other than a king and perfect and I just leave it at that that's my way of showing love and speaking to people I love that and it's you know we're all we're all so different and you know there's these like some things are perceived as bad or or negative things and it's not true it's just different you know we're different in different ways and these things the, the ways in which we are different makes us you know makes us so special makes us unique and and makes us really good at, at things like even you know I guess I've got shadier parts of my past for instance my time I guess in in rehab and, and in therapy has made me the self-aware person that I am the introspective person the most curious person that 
that I am. And had I not gone through that, I wouldn't be anything like I am today. Mm. And I, I think all the things that happened to us, um, I believe they happen for us, but I think they should be celebrated and not tried to change. They should be accepted and managed if they're presenting problems, um, but never, never denied. I think that's, you know, when, when things are denied or we try to fix stuff or get over it, um, that's where we run into trouble, I believe. Yeah. And when, and if we, uh, if we deny something that we feel, then we're actively shaming ourselves and judging ourselves and sending ourselves a very clear message that this isn't allowed, this isn't appropriate. And by no means I'm ever going to show this to anyone and accept myself for it. And it sounds quite counterintuitive to say, you know, those really bad things you did, there was good in that. You got Mm -hmm. something from that, you know, forgive yourself and see the good in it. And if you don't want to do it again, then make the intention that you will not cross that boundary again you know all the things that I've done in my life you know my 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 parents often say to me they go oh, if only we'd done things differently if only you know we, we brought you if only we'd understood the person that you were and I said I always say mum like yes you made some incredibly bad decisions with my life and that wasn't okay but we are where we are we cannot change it so let's just move forward you know and take responsibility for that you're not going to make those same decisions again are you no there you go what is the good in that? Well, if I hadn't made that decision, then maybe you wouldn't have gone through that hideous moment of self-transformation. Of like, exactly. Doesn't make the most amount of sense, but good came out of it. You know, so it's rooting ourselves in gratitude and also respect for ourselves. And we can't change anything, but we can change the way we think about it. Agreed. Totally agreed. And and I think it's it's just completely wasted time hashing over stuff that's already happened and and wanting to to change it and there's always a lesson there's always a lesson in everything and even you know even in failed relationships or any people that come into our lives or we have a friend but um even falling out with them or if that ever happens then there's always a lesson there there's always Mm. something there and it wasn't ever a waste of time that we spent with that person or doing that thing or whatever it was Uh, it's just all part of the journey and i think we have to look at the big picture where we've come from where we're going where we're at now Mm. and just relax a bit and just go okay this is just this is just part of it you know this is you know from rehab is that thing of like take responsibility look at the consequences are you gonna do this again no why not okay then commit to that and move forward you know this this element of responsibility is so important and actually I find that a few people they they hide away from taking responsibility because it's painful to do you know if they if they did something really bad and they went really really wrong and it was you know by all intents and purposes their actions which created this event then they find it a lot easier not everyone but with really painful events it can be very easy to switch into the victim role and blame other people which the victim role is the most disempowered state and it is the most destructively destructive painful place for a human to be in because humans you know we generally have agency over all of our actions and some human beings bless their hearts are put into a victim state it does happen but adults often to avoid pain will put themselves into a victim state and some of what i do sometimes is you know going back to that child who felt like they're in a victim state and then bringing them out of that and seeing actually how did how can they empower this child to come into their adult and empower the adult 
I think that made sense. Please it edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> <Didn't make sense. laughs> no, it totally made sense. Um, yeah, no, I was just thinking uh, about that, and I was, I was on a call with someone this morning talking about, uh, you know, this sense of uh, blame and and yeah, put, being in, you know, putting yourself in victim mode and, and blame, and it, it is absolutely, you know, I always say this is it's the the most powerless place to be because you can't change it. Like you're waiting for someone else to sort it out for you, and therefore you can't move forward. So it's powerless because you're just keeping yourself stuck. Whereas when you accept um responsibility and you know you can process your feelings with it and it's your choice whether you see it as a positive or a negative like these then that's it we always have a we always have a choice how we see things but we can't process anything if we don't accept responsibility for it so yeah it's so big and responsibility is so intrinsically linked to the inner child because if we if we blame other people then we feel vulnerable because we feel disempowered to take responsibility for it. It is too painful to take responsibility for it. Therefore, we seek the most powerless state where nothing can be, you know, we, we can't be blamed for anything. It's not our fault. We need to be held by someone else for someone else to feel sorry for us or offer empathy, you know, to be held into this space and moved out. But then what happens is we begin to rely on other people to rescue us. And what we want to do ultimately to become congruent and yes, aligned human beings is being able to self-rescue, self-soothe and self-parent. Absolutely. That's, yeah, that's the the goal, isn't it, really, to to be (laughs) self-sufficient and and not have to rely and and feel that. I think that's, that's that void, isn't it, where we're seeking outside external things, people, um or you know materialistic things or just anything really to sort of fill that void but it's never nothing it's never going to be filled we have to fill it and that is the nub of everything which is self-love you know Mm -hmm. we to really be happy and like when I say happy I'm, I'm not saying that life becomes really easy because life's tough life is really tough it's really unfair and it throws us a lot of challenges but to weather all of that is that the very nub of everything is to have unconditional love for ourselves when we can see ourselves and accept ourselves with loving arms and just surround ourselves so that whatever happens we don't have that void because we fill it with that unconditional self-love and I find time and time again that self-love is often misunderstood but yet uh, canvassed everywhere Everyone talks about self-love, but ask them what self-love means to them. More than often, they'll stutter and be like, "Oh, well, you know, it's well, it's that, isn't it? It's, it's 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 what that says. It's like, no, but what do you feel about self-love? What does self-love look like to you? How would it feel for you to surround yourself with unconditional grace and love and accept yourself fully? And in that moment, when I talk to someone, then the trauma will come up, and they'll mention something. You know, that resistance will come. I said, well, you know, like my mum, you know, she she didn't believe in all that kind of stuff. And it's like, boom, there it is. There is a child part of you that had the uh, self-love modelled by your parent and you're you're in resistance to that. You don't know what it is because you've had it modelled for you, that confusion modelled for you. I also, just you talking about your mum, I think my, my, I I don't know, I think the older generation as well, um, struggle a lot I think because things were 
kept you know wonder there's we talk a lot about mental health now and we're very kind of open with it which um as you said has almost caused another problem where it's now trendy and is you know we've got these buzzwords thrown about the place but i do think um the older generation have a have a bit more of a harder time kind of connecting with this sort of stuff because they've been um suppressing it and burying it for so long and and it never really got sort of talked about i think the the roles of the adults have changed massively you know when, when i talked to my grandma about her time you know when she, when she lived through the war it was like well we we had our roles you know men were this women were this this is what we had to do to survive there was very much a survival element and survival you know is quite a desperate place to be you know you cut off all the slack you do what's important that was then carried over to when she brought up my mum my mum you know she's a beautiful wonderful lady but she has that quite severity of like what needs to happen to survive and she softened over the years through like her experiences with bringing me up with uh, alcoholism and addiction. She's certainly more open to what goes on within the emotional makeup of someone. And while there is this often this severe cutoff of, you know, emotional awareness and the needs of boys and girls now, it's definitely softening. And I think now we're in a we're at a crucial time and it's almost like the and a I don't know that much about the roles of women because I'm not a woman and uh, I haven't been coaching women on embracing their femininity, but I have been coaching men when I was a coach on embracing their masculinity. And men are still deeply programmed into trying to be a hero, of taking the battering of life and not saying anything. And if you look further back in time, you look at, you look at war, and you look at men's roles okay so men are more likely they like men are given a bargain like you can be emotional you can be vulnerable but you have to put your life on the line you have to give up your life for, for the sake of something else and then you have every right to be open and vulnerable and emotional and that programming is still there now men still feel guilty they feel guilty by expressing their emotions. It's not because they can't or they feel like it's not supported. There is a deep feeling of guilt that I haven't done anything in order to give me the right to be emotional. It's so ingrained, isn't it, as well? But even if you just think, how can you expect any different if you look at like history books and, you know, at school and reading through all of that, like that, there's a, you know, there's a, a feeling and a vibe of all that running through. So even if you know, what wasn't apparent today, it's kind of, that's what I guess um, is being fed. You know, these same ideas are being fed all the way through the, the education system via the textbooks. Yeah, it's it's everywhere. And I, when people ask me about when I want to speak to men, what's my message for them or what are my dreams? What's the reason I do it? And I said, I want to live in a world where men are celebrated for being the man that they choose to be, not who they think they should be, you know, and like move away from this, move the F away from the alpha male and the beta male, please. That does nothing. It just shames men. Where when I, when I speak to every man, it's like, what kind of man do you want to be? And what kind of man do you believe you are? And there is the disconnect, you know, they want, the, the guys that I work with are often very, very sensitive and feel guilty that they're, that they're not uber masculine 
it's like well who who are and they say i'm i'm insecure i'm unsure i'm rubbish with women all this kind of real shaming this they they come in with definites you know i am insecure i am rubbish with women i am unconfident and they think that they should be super ripped superman who is able to have sex a million times a night and bloody you know we all know that man that they're trying to be and what i do is make them help them feel more at home with their expectations of themselves not unrealistic expectations you know who do you want to be it's like do you want to have sex with a million billion different women no okay so what what kind of woman would you like to attract? I want to attract a woman who's sensitive, loving and kind. And you know, what qualities do you have that you feel would allow you to do that? Well, I'm I'm sensitive. I'm, I'm kind. It's like, boom, there it is. There's the connect. That's the man who you want to be, not the man that you've been told you should be. Yeah, and, it, and I'm sure it's the same, you know, it's the same for... For women viewing what we do in the media and I, I guess that the men get the same message really of as you said being ripped and doing this and earning money and having these things and you know these are all the messages and, and the pressure the pressure is is real and the same as you've got you know botox and fillers and filters and all of that going on um on, on the women front we, you've got the same you're going to have the equivalent for, for guys as well and has that come up with your clients a bit is there do they feel a, a pressure your male clients from um from social media do you know what they're not always aware of it mm. they just absorb it and because it's programmed it's a learned program behavior they absorb it and they accept it as truth they haven't developed that critical thing of actually no that's wrong that offends me i am not that man i am not going to let myself be that man that's the first stage of questioning and then it becomes Oh, look, there's that. Oh, that's interesting. Ha, so funny. I'm going to carry the message that all men are beautiful and kind and wonderful, however they choose to be. And that's that. That's the congruence. And it first comes the rejection and that, no, you do not get to speak to me like that. I am my own man. Then comes the love and the fluidity of like, mm, oh, oh, look at that. That's funny. Mm. Mm. It's a, yeah, it's a, a bound, boundaries, isn't it, really? Um, mm. And a, awareness awareness in the first place and I think I think that's why I think social media is so dangerous because uh the frequency that we use it and just what we're not even it's not even it's on a subconscious level it's not even on a conscious level that we're absorbing this information and, and taking it as truth or you know building our thoughts and uh, around it and our belief systems and our values mm. I think social media is it's very powerful and I don't think it's going anywhere. And I think with the younger generations that are coming through, in order to communicate to them, we don't take that stance of it's evil, which we all know, you know, it has definitely has the capability to be incredibly evil. But <laughs> if there was a tipping point, like and gradually we're seeing men coming out and women. I remember seeing a, a, a saggy boobs campaign. I was like, oh, my God, that is amazing. I want to see one for guys, you know? yeah. <laughs> like this real, real open body accepting, like mm -hmm. that to me is beautiful, that to me is human, that is the curiosity and that wonderful rebellion that comes with, that there are voices, you know, coming out around these kind of campaigns of this is what a man is, this is what a woman is, these are what bodies are, they just need to be unified and they need to be more. 
needs to be more people and it needs to be more sustainable because at the moment it's just flashes in pants i don't know how to make it more more unified uh or more global but the more that message comes through the more information there is and the more information people can bring in and maybe that will trigger some kind of critical thinking because that's what we want we want people to have critical thinking and autonomy in their thoughts rather than absorbing everything and accepting that as truth yeah i think um I, you know i agree with you and i think it's just we have to like infiltrate the system like or filter out rather so you know letting people know that things are okay and you know that it's okay to feel this way and it's okay to be this way and, and sort of just filtering out i guess some of the rubbish and i think that's only going to be done over uh, a period of time really but if we keep at it there's not one big campaign that's going to fix everything at all but i think if we carry on speaking these messages and just filtering through eventually we'll have yeah and i think you know continuing to educate and i i have a, a call to action for every woman who's listening to this to help men become you know to help men move past that program if you meet a sensitive man if you meet a man who you know who is he's, he's kind he's compassionate he's, he's a beautiful guy celebrate him celebrate can i, can I swear am i allowed to swear yeah swear right, away. celebrate the fuck out of that man yeah that will create more change than any post on social media than any book or anything you literally go into the source and saying i see you being a fucking magnificent man you are a king in my eyes rain on boom and that's i love that i'm gonna clap (laughs) Uh, i see you i I think yeah we're not people aren't seeing people they aren't they're not saying so it might seem obvious to some and i think this is where things get lost in communication with people and you know sometimes we do need to say things we need to make them obvious and we can really change change someone's moods just by even strangers in the street just by saying something positive and saying something nice and and taking and something relevant as well you know to them and it can you know that the person who you say it to is just like wow okay you know even if it's a color that they're wearing or, or or something on them at least they have been seen I think that's a very easy way of recognizing someone and I think that goes a massively long way like find a way in step it up say it and people really love being seen and quite often we are not seeing each other and that's why people love coming to you know seeing me or you Camilla you know as a with with, with your background in makeup you have a wonderful opportunity to be with people and to see them and to recognize you know the intricacies of their face their their bone structure god how many people love to be told that they have beautiful bone structure I love it my my partner says I love your cheekbones I'm like more more tell me more (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you do have wonderful cheekbones, actually. Absolutely, I'll say. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, and yeah, that's exactly how how I work with my my clients. I'm not just um, bigging them up for the for the sake of it, or just trying to make them feel good for no reason. Like I genuinely, there's I always find things, little quirky things, and things they might not have noticed. Or, or sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't, you know, I really don't like that. I don't like my nose. I'm like, your nose is amazing. Like it like does this, you know. It's really kind of connecting with these things and 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 bringing them out instead of trying to trying to change it all yeah and it's Um, that welcoming like seeing everything as absolutely perfect and like with with rapid change like every client that comes to see me 
after they finish their time with me, they are able to to wrap their own arms around themselves and see themselves as perfect because there is nothing. You know, the stars do not need to be nudged a little bit to the left or the right for them to enter into their purpose. You know, they don't need anything. They don't need to buy a new suit. They don't need to buy a new movie or anything. They are perfect. They are absolutely perfect and beautiful. They were born perfect and deserving of love and nothing has changed. It always confused me, like, I, you know, I say to my clients, when you were born, were you undeserving of love? And they say, no. So, so what has changed for you? So that here you are as an adult, believing that you are apt, there is something innately unlovable about you. And that's heartbreaking for people. And it's heartbreaking for me to think that these people out there, they feel that when it's just not true. So anyone listening, ask yourself, were you undeserving of love when you were born? So what has changed now? And you know what's changed? It is attachments to things that are on the outside of us. You don't need any of that. You are perfect and beautiful as you are. Love that. One, one note, I think we'll have to finish on that note because it's just so powerful, just so powerful. Um, but I do always, I always ask um, my guests what I think you've probably said it already but what you know what would be your vision you're like what's your big vision I guess for, for the future for us all um and for, for everyone for in it maybe for men maybe for men and women what's your what would you love love to see celebration everybody celebrating everyone else for their absolute magnificence no shaming no judging Everybody sees one another and everyone feels seen and listened by everyone. And we are just one big fuck off celebration. Doesn't mean that life will become any easier, but my God, it will become a little bit more pleasant. Amazing. Well, I love celebrations. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, brilliant. Lovely. Well, thank you so, so much for having this chat with me today. It's been amazing. And yeah. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. Um, and where can people find you? Where's the best place for people to find you if they want to be nosy and, and see what you do or they want to work with you or, mm. you know, hear more of your stuff? Because you've got your own podcast as well, don't you? So I do. I do. So the absolute best place to come find me is www.henryjohnston.uk. That's where my rapid change stuff is. You can also find out about my metalwork retreats that I will be resuming running once lockdown and quarantine. They're, they're really interesting and fun. And the podcast that I have is the Deep Peace ASMR podcast, where you will be able to check in. You'll, it, it's like a lighter version of Rapid Change. Where I just invite all the listeners to come and engage in some deep relaxation. I do. I launch um, whisp, whispering podcasts for people who really like ASMR. You know, so I've just started doing that because people have said, Henry, please, could you do some ASMR podcasts? I'm like, okay, I'll do some of those. And uh, <laughs> yeah. so you, so that's the deep piece ASMR podcast you can find, you know, across, uh, across it's, I will say for some reason, iTunes hasn't updated my cover image. So if it says the mental health empowerment podcast, just don't pay any attention to that. That's technology. I have no control over that. But if you search the deep piece ASMR podcast, then uh, you'll find it. Amazing. I didn't I didn't realize that had changed. You started doing that. Is that new? Yeah, it, it had 
it had changed. It was a, a mental hub. Like my podcast actually been through many iterations, but I'm very fluid with that. You know, it's wherever I am being called to be of most service. And mm-hmm. since doing rapid change and seeing like the rapid change in all of my clients, like why don't I just offer this stuff so people can check in, they can get a taster of it, and they can actually get something from it. I've got I've got one on uh, nurturing self love, which has been the most popular podcast. My podcast shot up by seven hundred and five percent in listeners wow. after I after I changed to this. So it's being of service to people, and again, it, it works in the same way as sessions. If people turn up. They listen to my voice, they get something out of it, and then they can go about their day. And that in itself as well is just such a, such a great thing. Like you're just not, you know, happy to change and it, when it's right to change. And I think people are so scared of changing, aren't they? And, they, and yeah. keeping themselves trapped in, you know, jobs they hate, relationships they don't want to be in or careers, you know, movements. And, and it's fine to move. It's fine to change your mind. We're, we're talking oh, my God. To there is this prevailing sense of growth that we have to have a mind set you know a mind we need to set our mind into one very like nose to the ground do it move past the pain it's like no (laughs) just no if you don't like it you don't have to continue doing it Mm. you know just say to yourself i'm gonna give this a go if i don't like it i can change you can absolutely change don't feel the need to, to to buy into this highly pressured environment that you need to push yourself to the limit you don't when you do when you are pushed to the limit and you carry on going that's when you know that you found something that you really enjoy doing but by no means put yourself through that incredibly pressured state just because someone else tells you that you should yeah really important message absolutely um, i'm sure you and i are going to be having many more conversations i'm sure we'll probably be back on here at some point as well um, but thank you so much again and i'll speak to you soon all right camilla take care of yourself thank you thank you so much for listening i hope you got some good takeaways from today and if so then please do leave a review Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode and you can find further insights and tools over at camillacollins.com.